Oh, well, no, just recording. So we'll just pause for the call. Just call for the pause when you want it. And Okay. Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of the Nerd to Know Basis Show. I am Keona Calcorn, and I am joined by the very special member of our team today. Yo, it's Britain. It's very, very intimate with the two of us on Phoenix 92.5 FM. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for giving our lovely host a shout out. Uh, it's just the two of us yes. this week, and usually there'll be about six of us, and we're all like kind of scrambling over each other to mention something boxes yeah. going on fire or something like that. So it's going to be a bit more chilled out this week. So with that in mind, Bryn, how are you doing? I am tired. I say with my fifth cup <laughs> of tea today. <laughs> it's yeah, this should be worth mentioning actually. This is gonna be a weird edition because not only is it just the two of us, but we're both mm. exhausted fathers of young children. So that may creep in either thematically or because we passed out from tiredness. Yeah, but yeah. let's I mean, go it, with the flow. Yeah. It, I mean our like when we've been better rested, we've our, our, like when it's been just the two of us. It, it's tend to go a weird direction, so if both of us are a bit loopy. It's going to be very, very interesting and weird to see where we go. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, then I think before the madness takes us, well, let's do the kind of nerd news kind of headlines this week. Bryn, have you been watching anything new or current recently? Um, well, I suppose like the newest thing I'm watching is uh, the Mandalorian. Um, and I'm full. Oh yes, like, I, it's a sh- yeah. It's I mean, it's I'm a shame really Dara can't be season. here to complain about it. But how are you finding it? I'm really enjoying this season, man. I'm really enjoying it. Um, like, I mean, there, um, like I saw, I, I was, I, I found it very, I, found, I was very happy to see that, um. Uh, Rosario Dawson was cast as Ahsoka mm. in um, in the last episode. I the only downside is that I thought like the makeup on her didn't didn't really uh, didn't look great at times. It looked very um, fan filmy. I want to say um, there was times where it looked great, and then there was times where it looked very cheap and poorly put together um but overall the episode was from was excellent i really again i have nothing negative to say really story-wise with the show um, yeah actually but- that's been something because i've been following this week by week in the written up reviews on geek ireland and um mm. i got incredibly nervous when i saw clone wars characters kind of creeping into it not because i don't like clone wars but because I can they, they come with fan, they come with fans attached and having notions. So there is yeah, a risk. With them. Yeah, look, yeah, look, that's that's fair. Yeah, it, it's something I said on a previous episode. You know, Star Wars fans are content are a contentious bunch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like so when again, and like people love um, love the Clone Wars. I personally prefer mm. Rebels, but like same, same, same. You know, like like. Clone Wars is is very very good, and Ahsoka is a very popular character. It's very nice to see her on the on the in a live action form. Finally, um, yeah, and especially played by Rosario Dawson, who's I don't know the complete details, but even as a casual kind of Star Wars fan, I know she's been gunning for this role for a long, long time. Oh, has she? I yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I again, I don't want to kind of misquote or something like that on the radio, but like I'm aware that she has been asking Disney and like people certainly have been petitioning her particularly to play the character and stuff. So it isn't a case of like she's rocking up to this project not knowing what she's doing. She yeah. knows the character very well, and I do think that comes across in the little aspects of the performance. Like, yeah, oh, absolutely. You know, I think. Um... Yeah, I, I think that she did a very um a very good job. It's very it's very nice to kind of see her like she definitely seemed like an absolute continue continuation of where we saw Ahsoka finish up at the end mm. of uh, season set of oh yeah, of season seven of um of uh, Clone Wars. She definitely seemed like she was still on that trajectory and it make it kind of makes sense that she would kind of go in that kind of a Yoda esque 
direction where it should kind mm. of become a bit more reclusive and a little less uh have less of a desire to try and help train um uh train this new jedi and i think it's just i think it's just really well put together um, yeah it's it's uh, if i could just cut across for a sec one of the things i found very impressive because i watched it twice um mm. which just in preparation for this um and uh the way that as far as i know dave baloney did direct it as well as write it but the way her opening scene is shot it's not mm. the prequel sequely jumping about backflips kind of things it's more batman-y like you know she turns off the lightsabers to disappear into the fog she mm. force moves things to fool people to things she's other places it's it's very much a Jedi viewed through the eyes of a Mandalorian who did not know yeah. what a Jedi was. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's uh, to me. I, to me, I would have kind of described it slightly different to that. I absolutely, completely see where you're coming from with that. the 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 term that came up in my mind anyway a lot while watching it was. Um, a term that's become very popular in my D&D group, which is anime BS. Uh, <laughs> Please elaborate. And so there's, there's a character in my group who uh, is, a, uh, I was actually looking for the detail on this as well, but there's a, he's playing a monk character, but um, basically um, he's like a, uh, he's a weeaboo. The uh, the guy in the group is playing basically a weeaboo. He has a fedora on. He has a katana, mm. and like yeah, it, and he's overweight and all the, all these kind of things. And like when uh, when describing uh, when describing what uh, like uh, how he moves and stuff like that, I go like, and at this point he just performs some anime BS, and it's just like it always just makes sense. Um, and like yeah, I mean I feel like there's a lot of. I feel like there's a lot of that going on it with uh, with how they're doing it. I mean, again, like there's certain sequences in this where it's very, it's like the the Japanese influences are very very clear, and it's mm. nice to see. It's always oh yeah, sure. She fights the of, villain in like a Japanese looking garden, like yeah, with uh, with her using a spear in a very Japanese way, mm. and it's just very nice. And yeah, I, I like. Um, I, I really love what this show has done to really promote the idea of how, um, like of just how resilient Beskar armor is, and this really, mm. or like how Beskar as an alloy is. The fact that like can't cut through it with the lightsabers, like it's the only material that it's one of the it's the only material that they've really shown that can really withstand it, and I yeah. think that's fascinating. And like it's just nice to kind of to get like. Again, it's one of the things that like I always love about about Star Wars is how great sound, how great it sounds, mm. and like the connections that it makes is so unique and like tinny and ah, oh, just love it, love everything about the way that that is presented. Um, but yeah, like I mean, again, it's one of the things that I find very um frustrating is you finish watch. I finish watching Mandalorian. And I go, I had a great time, and then you go onto Twitter. <laughs> and then you go, oh. just don't why would you? look i think the last episode i was on i think it could have been two weeks ago i'm not sure if there won't be one since but the last episode of the nerd to no basis i was on we were talking about how people were complaining about bo katan's armor yeah like yeah yeah like this is a case where i don't want to be like kind of oh it's their fault because you say oh star wars fans do this and obviously it's like five percent of a, of a minority who are just incredibly vocal, but like you know, it's yeah. in this. Ahsoka is a case where fans have been begging for this very specific casting of this very certain character in live action, and there it is. And I was just like, I don't want to hear from the internet. They literally gave you what you <laughs> asked for. Turn it off. Yeah, yeah. but again, again, you know, like. Uh... I, like I, I think it's just one of those things where you just know there's always going to be like no matter what, um, no matter what, uh, what, whatever you're talking about, there's always going to be like there's always going to be a, a section of people who are just going to be curmudgeonly because mm. they're they're so you it's almost like like it's almost like a habit habitual thing for some people or they're just like well it was a curmudgeon before I said the be things were better than they did it but they didn't do it 
exactly just, <laughs> just 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 right just just the way i want no you know um, yeah that that is fair i think it's it's interesting i really do like i don't mean to make fun of dar even though it is kind of where i draw my energy from but um it's uh it's funny because i like i come from a doctor who kind of background where it's mm. like we're used to prolonged waits for it to come back or being off the air for ages or whatever and the funny thing is it's like with Star Wars, when they do bring something out, people have been waiting yeah. for so long and uh, they have a very particular idea of what it should be, either because of their own imaginations yeah. or because of the media, the books, the thing, the whatever, that when something is slightly off, it's it almost feels personal, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I, think, I, 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 like, I think with Star Wars, there's something, there's something about the experience of it mm. um that's like i mean the only thing i can really compare it to is like religion you know <laughs> where like people and I, 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 by the way i am i am fully guilty of this as well by the way mm. this is this is not me kind of going but oh yeah neither none of us on the on this team are on a pedestal by the way we are guilty no. of all the things I, we I, usually I, blame I, other people for no i am it's a, again dara just owns up to it we don't yeah. enough no i am 100 guilty of this like I think I, there's something about Star Wars where I think you, I think it's very easy to get into your, it's the, I think it's very easy to get to a point with it where, um, I think it's very easy to get to a point where you go, well, this is what Star Wars is. This is what it's all mm. about. Yeah. And you're probably wrong, but to you, <laughs> it's like, this is what it's all about. <laughs> And like, cause I remember I was talking with a, a friend of mine who has no problems with the new, the newer films have come out, mm. and I was just like, okay, well, I disagree, you know. And he was going like, but like, why? He said like, well, you know, sure, do you think they're better films than like the prequels? And I was like, well, I said like they are like, so like on a technical level, obviously they're better films. Like mm. you can't say that they're not. Their pacing is better. The acting is much better. Special effects look better. Score. I, the score is probably the only area where you might have an argument that the the prequel trilogy is better. But that's about it. As in, a, but the lore is terrible in the new ones for me. And I love lore, and that's what the prequels gave me. I would say, like, mm. the, the, if what you're looking for is just like to be bludgeoned with lore. <laughs> the prequels are great in that regard, but, pre but lore does not make a good film. And that's like, that's one of the critical problems and critical failures of those films. But, you know, it's just like, that's the problem too, is that when you get lore, when you, the more lore you get, the more easy it is for it to break, you know? Mm. And I think, I think what, that's probably like one of the things that's like different between um star wars and a lot of its uh, i get like, i get like I, I like its peers i want to say instead of competition so like if mm. we're talking if we're comparing star wars to the likes of star trek stargate doctor who mm. um like first of all most of them their bread and butter was television Mm. rather than films like stargate obviously started off as a film but almost all of its lore and stuff was done through tv instead um whereas like star wars is like the only one that really like most of its lore came from novelizations and from video games yeah um and comics to an extent as well but like i mean most people aren't gonna consume that but like if you were a fan of stargate it was very easy to get up to date on everything that's happening mm. so most people have like a very combined um a combined understanding of what the stargate lore is and it's a lot harder to break stargate lore because it's so well established and most tv based stuff is in that realm whereas like let me put it this way there are books um put it this way it, there were books published for star wars between a new hope and empire strikes back and those books technically aren't canon anymore, <laughs> even though they like because they, there's too many things that happen to them that just don't jibe mm. with uh, with happen with stuff that happens later. Like 
because again, there's just stuff that they didn't know was going to be done, like Luke and Leia being siblings. And, yeah. Okay. Okay. You know, I was gonna. I was, I was thinking, what did Chewbacca do? What happened in the? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> but you know, like he became a Jedi thing. Knight and forgot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And like, but stuff like that came up, and it changes, like. It changes understanding because with films you kind of have to drag and drop stuff a lot more, and you know if it's it, especially when you have a fan base that like has so personally attached themselves and imprinted themselves on Star mm. Wars. You know when you throw things out because like when again like you see it like I mean you see it all like if you go through the way the fan base reacted to certain things, people hated the idea that the Ewoks were uh, were a critical reason why. Mm. the empire fell they hate that idea it's because you know the empire is like this amazing like like un- almost unstoppable villain faction <laughs> and they're beaten by teddy bears that are like three foot high those teddy you know? bears are vicious they, they are vicious well do you know what i mean it's just it's just one of those things where like it's a bit for people who who really liked the direction that went in after Empire Strikes Back. And some people hated Empire Strikes Back as well. Yeah, because... that's what I was going to say. Movies at Mikey does a really good, on YouTube, does a really good breakdown of like just reading the Star Wars reviews of each mm. movie as they come out. Yeah. And yeah, Empire gets slammed yeah. in a huge way. Yeah. And now it's like kind of everyone's... Same with the Star Trek shows, actually. It's really fascinating to... Now, it's not easy. But it's really fascinating yeah. to go back to reviews of like the next generation D Space Nine Voyager. Yeah. These things we consider staples that were yeah. just not welcome when they turned up, you know? Yeah. But it's, I mean, even doing with that with something outside of science fiction, like look at Mon- the monorail episode from the, from the Simpsons. <laughs> yes, that's a good example. A yeah. Very, a very tepid, lukewarm reception when it came out. And now people consider it to be, you know, if not. If like one of, if not the very best Simpsons episode ever made, one of the most quotable, certainly. Yeah, certainly. yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's one of the. I mean, like, oh, I'm in, in almost any top five, in almost any top ten list of best Simpsons episodes worth its salt. It's going to be listed, you know, mm-hmm. and like it's, you know, it's that kind of thing though. Like, and I think. Again, I think with Star Wars, it's very easy for people to fill in the blanks. And like again, like when you see it, you see it. If you look at any criticism that came out for Episode One, outside of like anything on like a technical storytelling level, the first thing people point to of hating, and I mean outright hating, the people like you know people will point to the midi chlorians being the worst thing in that film. Really, I would have thought it was Jar Jar. Oh, but again, that's a that's a. That, like, I, I mean, oh, I see. Gonna... In terms of your example of things, yeah, and I noticed the Metaclorians snuck their way into the Mandalorian, and that yeah. did give me a chuckle. Yeah, like, it, but this is the thing. Like, it's um, you know, like it's one of the because, like, again, like that's an example of like really bad lore because it kind of mm. demystifies the idea of what the Force is. Mm. That it's just, you know, it just this arbitrary. It's like, number it's like the X Men. You're born with it or you're not, and that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, or yeah. like. Power levels in uh, Dragon Ball Z. Well, know? that's what I was going to say because that was in a weird way. I don't mean to contradict your argument about canon and stuff, but uh, a new the new prequel films suffer to some degree from a need to include all of the extended media and video game mm. stuff yeah. that has been added to Star Wars, like that weird bit where Obi Wan and Qui Gon just zip forward because that's something Jedi's can do in video games and all that. Yeah, yeah, force speed. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's one of those things. Like they do, they do it there, but Obi Wan didn't do it when he needed to catch up to Darth Maul fighting Qui Gon. Oh no, no, you know, I'm I'm with Obi Wan <laughs> on that one. You don't want to go like Baz Luhrmann speed into a laser grid, like you know, no yeah. one wants that there's, in like a PG there's, movie. There's a great um, there's a great fan edit someone made where like um, it's like a five second clip where it's called like What If. <laughs> Obi-Wan yeah. used a uh, force speed and basically he clears all those uh, those laser gate things right yeah. but then he can't stop he can't slow down and go straight into the <laughs> hole <laughs> that was one of my favorite not to go too off topic but back when I had the Phantom Menace PC game that was my favorite thing about the game which was just running into the last fight like all oh, this epic Qui-Gon's dead you're ready for your showdown force push Maul into the pit the game doesn't stop you no 
no, it doesn't. Because but, they didn't know how to make games back then. No. The um, oh man, but like I mean, that actual that that I still maintain that like the uh, that lightsaber fight between Maul and Obi Wan is like the best lightsaber fight that's ever been committed to film. Committed to oh, film. I would it's agree so too. I think damn good. Like. Like the Attack of the Clones is a bit too kind of clunky, and then the Revenge of the Sith is like a wee bit too long. I think it just hits the sweet spot. But my question is to circle back to the Mandalorian: How come you find the way Ahsoka is represented in Episode Five to be weeby or whatever term you used, whereas the uh, Phantom Menace fight, which you could easily add speed lines to, and nothing would change, oh, totally. yeah, uh, is fine. Um. It's, again, like I'm not saying that is like a negative. Okay, it's okay, okay. It's it's very um, you know, again, it's just like it, there's clearly an anime influence on it, and like, I mean, again, like I, it's one of those things where, like, yeah, I say it's anime BS. I don't mean that. I mean that very affectionately. Oh, <laughs> like, I okay. I think that's where we're getting our wires crossed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't mean that negatively. Like I love, like again, like anime BS is fun. I mean, for God's sake, I love Dragon Ball Z. Do you think? Well, I was gonna say you picked a good week where Kevin Lisa were in here to break out that terminology. Um, Yeah, exactly. Again, like I mean, they know they know exactly what I mean when I say like there's anime BS going on here. You know, like. Yeah, I I get what you mean now, and I love the fact that in that episode, the Mandalorian now, the Ahsoka episode, because its influences are clearly like Western films and Eastern everything, and so yeah. you have side to side, you have a very kind of samurai type sword fight with a spear, and then you have a Western quick draw intercut yeah. with it, and you've even got the yeah. contrast of a garden setting. And like a deserted shanty town for their respective settings. And I just honestly, I don't know how the last three episodes are gonna top that. That's a really great embodiment of what the Mandalorian as a concept is, you know? Mm. Well, yeah, I mean it's it's this wonderful again, but this is the this is what like was such a good thing about Star Wars initially was that it was this wonderful cult, um culture shock between Eastern influences and Western influences and just mm. smushing them together. And you know, Star Wars came out, and it's very much like you know. I mean, like again, like Star Wars was very much asking the question: What happens when you cross Flash Gordon with Akira Kurosawa? And Star Wars is the answer. Yes, <laughs> you know, but it's, um, but that's very much what, um, like I mean, that I think I mean with each one of these films, with each one of I was going to say films, with each mm. one of these uh, episodes, they all have a different look and feel this season like this season more than last season last season yeah. definitely had a different like feel every episode but not not so much on luck this has been i think this season has really has really stepped up its game in terms of trying to make every episode feel very very unique um yeah because we've had a horror episode we've had a mandalorian group episode we've had a dragon Mm. quest episode yeah we've had like a kind of infiltrate the base i've seen a lot Mm. of people complaining about the most recent five episodes online and i don't want to kind of act superior or anything but i think it's more that they're suffering from the shock of the Mandalorian existing having worn off. Because I do think this is stronger so mm. far than the last series. And the last series was good, don't get me wrong. But I yeah. do think that there's more imagination in this series, certainly. Yeah, but that's essentially what I was saying. Like, I think there has been a lot more imagination this season. I think they've been a bit more... I think, like, I think they let people soak themselves in and immerse them into the idea mm. of what the Mandalorian is in season one mm. and now they're going well now we have you so now yeah well not even we're gonna get weird but now we're really gonna start taking you on a very um on a very uh very enjoyable journey with like a heavy amount of fan service thrown in for good measure you mm. know um but like well there's you know, fan again, service and there's fan service like i would consider oh, yeah. like you know having what was it anakin's pod racer be the engine for your man's ship a certain type of fan service and then somehow palpatine returned being a different type of fan service you know 
Yeah, but even like even within the context of the show, like I mean, like yeah, Anakin, Anakin's pod racer being the basically being the drivetrain for the ship for the ship is one thing, but then also having a thing like having a bit of a shot where you go, maybe Boba Fett's back, you know? Uh, ah, yeah, yeah. There are different kinds of fan service. Them like them bringing in the. Um, like again, having Ahsoka there is a, is great for the backdrop of it. She name dropped Thrawn, which, mm. as people who are on the show, is always just just a name I love to hear. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I I'm genuinely because I know the cat's out of. I suppose this is going out on Saturday. Like you know, it's been a lot. Yeah. It's been a week since it came out. But I'm wondering. I'm getting the feeling that they're trying to not set up Episode Seven, as it were but create an entire set of stories which have our own rise and fall before all that goes down. Because I noticed they called the, the, what is it called? The first order as in the next age or something like that. So they think they're discreetly trying to put their distance yeah. from the films, a, th- which I can is, understand, but yeah. th- this basically uh, comes across as it's basically um, Star Wars rebels, but, uh, bridging the gap between episode six and seven yeah um whereas like rebels was kind of like you know like a sequel series to clone wars but also being that bridging gap between thing and like again like it'd be great if we got to see the if we got to see um ezra show up at some point that would be awesome or you know any, i'd be happy to see anyone from um rebels show up in mm. the show at some point that'd be great yeah, but you don't want to go because this this is what I was saying about legacy characters stuff. Mm. You don't want to bring in that stuff too quickly and too clumsily to the point that someone who just rocked up to see the Mandalorian reasonably enough with their baby Yoda t shirt or yeah. whatever is suddenly having to scroll through Disney Plus and watch four series of this to know what's going on. I think the Ahsoka and the Bogotan episodes were really good at just being themselves. Mm. But I just yeah. see that on the horizon, and I hope they kind of do that well. Yeah. Like, well, that's—I mean—that's actually an interesting threat that you bring up because um, I don't know if you've ever seen Young Justice, um, but Young Justice basically ran into a very similar problem. Which the, which uh, one was this now? Young Justice was like it's its own. It was kind of like its own separate universe to the mainline DC uh, universe. So it could tell. Oh, its own story, like the basically. Ultimate Marvel line, that kind of thing. Um, similar but different. Okay. Um, basically, like, basically, it was just like a um, it was a TV series on Cartoon Network, mm. and then it got picked up for its third season. It got cancelled, and then like years later, got brought back right. for whatever the DC streaming service was before that got nuked. Um, and basically, like, the what that show did was like in its first series, it basically was kind of setting up like a Teen Titans type of team. So you had. Right. Uh, you had Superboy, you had uh, Dick Grayson as Robin as a 12-year-old, uh, Kid Flash, Wally West, uh, Miss Marvel, Artemis, that was where she was created um, first, and then um, Aqualad as well, who was another original character for it. And like, basically, it was just them being like a covert wing, and they were managed by Batman for the Justice League and all that kind of stuff. And the first season's excellent. I recommend the first season heavily. Is this um, an animated show yeah, or is animated, this okay? Animated. Okay, okay. First season's excellent. I highly recommend it. Um, I used to love the second season, but over time, it, it has lost its pizzazz for me. Uh, but the but the problems started. The cracks started to emerge in season two, and they became really apparent in season three. Where basically, like, first of all, they did a thing which I love, by the way, but. I get why people didn't like it, which is that they jumped the story ahead five years. So they oh, aged up everyone. that's always a gamble. I think yeah. Battlestar Galactica did that too, yeah. Yeah. And like, they're, they, they're even completely outside the nerdy sphere. Desperate Housewives did that and went yeah. off the rails. Something yeah. about five years yeah. just kills a show. Parks and Recreation did something similar too. Um, yeah. But anyway, like they, but like there were certain things that like, uh, that were kind of a bit disappointing. Like they, there was certain things that were said and done in the first uh, in the first uh, season that were just never addressed again, which is a ma- major disappointment. Like again, like Dick has this whole has this major realization, and this is spoilers. But when you get to it, you'll probably have forgotten because it's quite late in the season. Um, 
is basically has this realization that he 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 won't be batman and he can't right. be batman and he doesn't want to be batman and uh, you know that's basically like he doesn't want to lead the team he doesn't want to do anything it's just not something he's even remotely interested in um so they fast forward uh five years he's now 17 years old he's now nightwing and he's leading teams and you're like what happened to you, like, <laughs> you know? i mean i'm sure you could have justified that in five years but i'd, I'd like yeah. to see it yeah exactly and it, it's just never really addressed but then they also mm. add in like there's now just not one team there's actually four teams and okay. And, and your eyes are already starting to gloss over and you can see where the problem is right mm. and then um and there's all these other characters and like if you're up with dc comics and you're up with the animated series that have come before you're going to be able to handle it it's fine but if you're new <laughs> no way <laughs> you know uh it's just not realistic and then mm. season three they make more characters and have more teams and it just gets even more off the rails and it just it just kind of like it becomes one of those things where you just go well the characters i'm actually invested in you're not spending time with them so yeah why but that's why to, to circle back to the mandalorian because it's a good mm-hmm. example that's why i'm worried the mandalorian mm-hmm. be a victim of its own success because the first yeah. series we should point out came out in the build-up to rise of skywalker and i'm not saying disney didn't care about it or didn't put money into it but i'll just say that creatively their eyes would be more on that than on this little show where he fights six bounty hunters in a ship you know what i would say as a counter that is like they cared enough about it to have it be the one of the launch titles that's true i'm not i'm not i'm not trying to say like they snuck the mandalorian out the door when no one was looking like i don't mean to say that I think they knew exactly what the Mandalorian was and what mm. and what it would mean because I think um again like I think if you're hardcore if you're a hardcore enough fan of Star Wars you know what Mandalorians are so if mm. you see that there's a show called The Mandalorian on Disney Plus you're going to watch it and yeah. it, and then from there I think the the revelation at the end of the first episode is enough to hook in those people to get those people talking and kind of get them to do a lot of the, I think they knew they would have gotten a lot of word word of mouth marketing from it because. And all the the merchandise into pennies. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think they, I think they knew what they had on their hands again. It's because like, again, like, like John Favreau and uh, Dave Filoni are not, you know, it's not their first rodeo. They know what they're no, at. No, 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 no. And and like to me that like that's kind of why it wasn't like it wasn't built up as like this is the must see show because they're gonna like it's mm. it's gonna be must see because people are gonna tell people it's must see, you know. Yeah. Like very yeah. quickly, social media lifts fire with it. So <laughs> that is true. Uh, yeah, I suppose I could be worrying needlessly, but I do get what your I, I, your comparison I totally, about. I totally get where you're coming from. You know, like it's 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 just it's the only Star Wars thing that's coming out at the moment. Yeah, yeah and absolutely. that because it's funny kind of to segue into Discovery a little bit. When Star Trek Discovery came out, it was the first in a new wave of Star Trek shows, and in the mm. first two series, you felt the hands putting in all the things that they thought Star Trek fans wanted, like Spock and the Klingons and this mm. reference to Kirk and this kind of stuff. Now season three comes out with two extra Star Trek shows now in development yeah. and it's able to just kind of be itself and it's mm. stronger for it. So like, I just worry with the Mandalorian, like being the only major Star Wars property going that people who may not have been involved in the first series may want to get involved and say oh you gotta have like you know a darth vader cameo you gotta have a this it's star wars what what you doing like yeah well like again it's it's also set after darth vader's dead so if they do that it'll be like a bit head scratching but it's set after palpatine's death and that didn't stick <laughs> very very true unfortunately <laughs> but again you're also talking you're also talking about uh you're talking about an event i choose to believe isn't canon so Uh, (laughs) that's it ladies and gentlemen we're part of the problem (laughs) again you know this this is exactly what i'm talking about like it's i'm not i'm not uh, i'm not immune to it i choose not i choose to believe it's not canon because it 
it, it affects um, <laughs> I you sound worse. <laughs> well, since it's not canon, Daisy Ridley, because they dropped the trailer for the new Chaos Walking film, yeah. um, with her in it, and uh, oh, I always forget his name, Tom Holland from yeah. Spider-Man in it. And that looks legit good. And I'm happy for her because I yeah. feel really bad for Daisy Ridley mm. being the face of that era of Star Wars. I mean, Hayden Christensen comparatively got, got off relatively lightly. Like, mm. Yeah, I mean... I mean, like, he I think, when he was Anakin, Quisher didn't exist. Yeah. like I, But even I think even in compar- comparison to Jake Lloyd, Hayden, Hayden Christensen mm. got off very lightly. Like... The damage done. Do you think I don't know much about? I don't know what the history of Jake Lloyd and all that kind of stuff is. Oh man, he got like the the fan base absolutely tore him apart. As a nine year old boy, tore him apart. Like you know, really, um, God, that's terrible. Yeah, like Hayden, and like to be honest, like I mean, like look, um, when it comes to when it comes to the two of them, Jake was a nine year old child who mm. for you know who like the, my, this might have been something that like his family just thought like well you've got an opportunity to do it this is great i have no idea uh what his aspirations were in terms of being a professional actor but well he was in jingle all the way it wasn't yeah. his first rodeo either no. like you know but at the same time though like he basically yeah he went from jingle all the way he did hit jingle all the way and like a couple of other films but it wasn't like going into star wars and to one of the biggest most important characters in lore Mm-mm. is is a big ask and you know with the grace of the grace in the world george lucas is not a very good writer of dialogue he's not a very good like he's not a tremendous performance director either mm. um as is like evidenced by everything he's made um, <laughs> like he's he's not you know um I, look i love what george has done mm. to create like i love the worlds he's created but i mean man his dialogue has always been pretty pretty poor yeah um, it's uh oh, you're right because i saw the sf debris full detailed breakdown yeah. of um the making of the star wars movies on his site and like just like you Harrison can tell. Ford, you can Harrison tell Ford had that, to rewrite all of his lines. Well, that explains a lot. But like, you just get the like. It doesn't surprise me at all that Attack of the Clones. I know it's a different film. Was mm. a first draft yep. that made it to production. And like, yeah, I there were so many hands. Not to take away from Lucas's kind of input, obviously, mm. but there were so many hands in the writing of the yeah. first three films that made Star Wars successful and. By the time you reach a hope, or not a new hope, a Phantom Menace, uh, his yep. success has been proven, and there's less people who can yeah. save him from himself. You know. Yeah. But again, it's that thing of like there was a lot less people editing what he was doing, mm. and it shows. I mean, again, like the like the the first Death Star battle is is good because his wife edited it because oh, his yeah, pass yeah, yeah. on it was awful, like absolutely painful to watch. I've never watched and, it. Where can you find it? Like, um, I saw I saw like uh, clips of it on YouTube, and like it just basically like I mean it goes like I want to say twenty seconds where it's just Luke, where it's you're inside Luke's cockpit with Luke, and he's flying, yeah. and nothing happens. It's just him there <laughs> flying, and just like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually, that was. I'm sure you'll know this already, but for the benefit of the listeners, like. They added the fact that like the Death Star was coming to Yavin and gonna blow them up on like a time limit yeah. in editing. Yeah. Like, you know, there's even like kind of shots where it tells it's all done in like voiceover. Mm. And like there was supposed to be three Death Star trench runs and they edited it down to one. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah, yeah. It's With, it's amazing um, how many ways Star Wars accidentally got saved, you know. Absolutely. And like again, it's one of those things where like um and uh, like a lot of those kind of elements made it into the prequels and i think that's also like where a lot of the damage is done because people mm. you know like i like again like i like i think mally portman's a very very good actress but you can really see how not very good the dialogue is with her speaking and like again i feel for hayden christensen because there's not an actor alive i think who could have made his dialogue in in attack of the clones good 
Yeah, it's actually, it's, you can feel the strain, especially in Attack of the Clones, of them trying to make it make sense while they're filming. Like, yeah. in, like, the one I always go to is there's a scene where Anakin and Padme are, like, talking and she's about, like, packing her bags or something. Yeah. And they cycle from Padme says, I don't want to go. And then Anakin says, yeah. sometimes you have to go because it's a responsible thing to do. And then she says, oh, you've, you've become very mature, which cycles yeah. into Anakin. This is the same scene, by the way. Yeah. Anakin complaining that Obi-Wan tells him what to do. Yeah. Contradicting the advice he just gave Padme yeah. 10 seconds ago. And then they circle into him trying to flirt. And you're yeah. like... Human beings don't, even in a sci-fi setting, human beings don't do this. No. Like, they're not listening, like, the characters are not listening to the words they're saying. No. It, yeah. It, but but like, I think, I, I think for me, anyway, what, what I found overwhelmingly the most frustrating thing about episode two is how painful those scenes are because, yeah. because of moments like that. And how so damn good was the Camino storyline? Yeah, it's like, like, I, like oh. it's night and day. Like it's night and day, and I just can't. It's one of those things where I just can't get over it because like, those are like the the stuff that he does with Obi Wan and that the Camino storyline is so straightforward. There's no, mm. there's no like. There's no emotional ebb and flow to it. It just kind of moves along at this like this mystery story, and it's yeah. great and it's fun and it like you know it's it it's very much Star Wars to me. Mm. And yeah, yeah, you know like the melodrama the melodrama is Star Wars too. It's just that like it's it oh man, I mean like that those those uh, those moments they like there were moments where you could see that the actors really did nail this scene, even if the dialogue didn't help them mm. but yeah the, the like the dialogue really didn't help them a lot of the time <laughs> oh it's <laughs> an know? uphill struggle completely like yeah. and like you just feel for like because i especially feel for Kristen because you can talk about mm -hmm. portman but at the very least she yeah. had a consistent character across yeah. three movies Christensen has the unenviable task of portraying both a teenager who is whiny and petulant to his teacher yeah. in the Wesley Crusher fashion, who also has to be a Han Solo yeah. swooning the he the heroine. Yeah. And like, yeah, they're both difficult tasks and you can't do the yeah. two at the same time. At yeah. least with Wesley, yeah. they knew he wasn't Han Solo. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, I, th I think again, it's that thing of like, you know, as you were saying, like, you know, Padme is a consistent character. Anakin didn't have a consistent scene. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Oh, that's so harsh. I mean, it's really, it's pick your poison, isn't it? Because I, I don't want to bash, like, all Star Wars things, no. like, all day. But, like, it's you know, really it's fun like. To do, though. <laughs> it's, oh, yeah. I, there, there are people out there who make their living off it, I'm sure. But it's like, pick your poison. The sequels are incredibly technically competent and well acted mm. and well written in the sense well, that the dialogue in, is good in the beat by in the beat to beat moments of it it's, yeah it, it it is well written it's just like those films are like the way i put it is like the the prequels are great lore bad films yeah the sequels are bad lore good films you know yeah it really depends kind of what you bring to but it like, but i yeah. it's it's one of those things where i would say like if you're when you're set when you're seven eight nine movies deep mm. into a film you can't afford to have bad lore it'd be like again it's it would be the same thing as being like again seven eight nine seasons mm. deep into a show and having bad lore mm. it just you can't do it because you're basically basically giving a middle finger to the good lore that came before it yeah uh, by going well you know like and again like there's the when it comes to my misgivings of the sequels i can talk all day about it because it's mm. it's fun it is you know it's fun and easy to do but yeah, like, yeah, yeah you know when it comes to the um like when it comes to the the way like again when it comes to the way that like the the prequels make me feel it's like i really like the lore here 
you know, <laughs> I like the idea. Like, I love that there was a dark, a Darth Plagueis the Wise. You know, yeah. I love that idea. But I don't like hearing about how shit sand is. <laughs> it's yeah, the sand is the sand thing is kind of the easiest target. But that's actually, it's worth pointing out. Attack of the Clones is the only of the prequels where Lucas has a co-writer. Yeah. And I don't have his name to hand, but I feel really bad for that co-writer because yeah. compared at least to The Phantom Menace, yeah. you get a sense that this new writer is trying to inject something into it that yeah. the prequel, that The Phantom Menace didn't. The Phantom Menace was a video game, effectively. Oh, yeah. The dialogue, no, the, none of the dialogue was character-driven no. or informed backstory. It is no. literally situation, situation, situation. It, 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 the the dialogue as well in that in that film is so uninteresting. Yeah, like the film the film has like that film. I think of all of them, especially in a mod, in a modern viewing, like twenty years later, mm. is so hard to watch <laughs> because it's just like because it's basically like it's basically everything a bad story it does everything a bad story does which is mm. so this happens and then this happens and then this happens and then this happens yeah and then this happens and so on there's never uh there's never uh it's like there's never this happens but then this happens therefore this happens but this thing happens and then yeah this, you know but this thing happens it, it, it doesn't it doesn't you know. it makes sense but it doesn't flow organically into no like again it's it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a video game it's levels it's a level yeah. design it's not which made for great video games i can't it fault it for that no but and so there's a lot got, of imagine. Yeah, we got three good video games out of that. There was the stuff. There was the episode one game you talked about. Mm. There was Jedi Power Battles, which was also yeah. amazing. And they got the pod racing game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love the pod racing segment. I want to give that. It's yeah. It's a it's a fascinating to talk about because the prequels aren't. There isn't. It's not like there's not good things in them. In all of them, there are great things. Like yeah. I love the like you said the whole Obi Wan subplot. The yeah. Battle with the slave one in space and all that. It's the it's but, the best written it's the best written beat by beat plot in yeah. the prequels, hands down. It's uh, Lorenzo like, Sith has plenty. I mean, it's got problems, but it's got plenty of like big fun yeah. sequences. I, and yeah, it's one of those things that's like so frustrating about the mm. about the prequels is that it wouldn't have taken much to make them very very good. It's just that they're not, and it really shows, you know. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's like having an A student turn in a failing grade essay, and you're like, "Why? Why oh, did you do this? You're better just, than this." No, I was going to stick with the college analogy. I was yeah. going to say it's like, it's like those colleges projects where there's like mm. four people on a project, and two of them are really putting in the effort, mm. and it shows when you're reading it, and then the two of them aren't. So yeah. you're like, it's like a roller coaster, like. Yeah. <laughs> It's, I must say, the prequels timed well with coming out with the DVD releases back in the early 2000s because mm. the prequels are the perfect scene skip films. Yeah. You can just zip around the best bits and just like have a good time yeah. if you're oh, man. That I, bothered. I used, to, I used to jump chapter to chapter. Yeah. Um, also, I will say, because before we started recording this, um, we were talking about commentaries, and I was saying that I love commentaries. And I will hands down say episode two is the worst commentary I have ever sat through in my entire life. I, I unfortunately only have the Phantom Menace and the Attack of the Clones on VHS, yeah. so take yeah. me on a journey. What are the commentaries like on the prequels? So I haven't seen them for the other two. I've only seen it for episode two. Mm. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, it, is, it is the definition of pain. It's George Lucas <laughs> on his own telling you about Star Wars. And it, like, you, you might think that you get something really interesting, but you don't. Like, you don't. Like, the, mo the, mo the most interesting thing that he said was... Um, there, actually, there was two things he said that were interesting. Mm. The first one was... And I'm using interesting liberal he liberally here too. <laughs> uh, the first one was so like if you remember like the beginning of um, episode two, there's this bit where you see Padme's uh, ship come down to Coruscant, mm. and there's a shot that's interior. He, so he was going, "Well, we actually reused the set from that from the from episode one." That's one. <laughs> oh my god, that's the bar. <laughs> that's right at the beginning as well. The next interesting thing, and again, liberally using it, was that like there was um, you know that bit where the 
Jedi show up and in the uh, arena. In the arena, and yeah, Mace yeah. Windows cha- chasing down Jango Fett mm. and cuts off his head. Mm. Uh, George, while uh, uh, while watching, it was going. So I would just add it in another special. Oh, there it is, and it's like a little spark on mm. on Jango's jetpack, which is why yeah. he couldn't fly away. Oh, I only added that in three hours ago. It's great to see it in the <laughs> final cut now on DVD. And you're like, well, what is wrong with you? Like, you're giving me the impression that, like, again, to cycle back to the monorail yeah. episode, that like it's like George Lucas is sat on the monorail with you, and he just keeps talking, and you just <sighs> can't stand it. Can, does just, anyone want to switch seats? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I. A sheer determination <laughs> to get through it, and it just there's just nothing interesting. I, like no, but I but what do we what do you mean not interesting? Is he just reciting the plot, or is he not talking? Like what's what's just what's... kind of like like he's I I can't even remember. like I mean again I watched it once because once was <laughs> enough. Like um, basically like I mean he kind of just like talked through. Mm how things were set up and whatever mm. and it sure if you're into directing or whatever that might be interesting but then again i'd also recommend doing that with better directors than george Lucas. Mm. um you know and like it just it just never really came together mm. as a because again i think i think it's also one of those things where maybe would have been more interesting if he had someone else in the room with him um maybe i suppose that's true of all commentaries that is true of all commentaries but but kind of pick your poison though because like i mean i've talked about this in the show before Mm. the extra features on the newer movies Mm. are so barren uh i I think thought out Mm. they're so keenly looked at to make sure that like like i say this about the mandalorian behind the scenes thing that went up on disney plus as well a few months ago where it's sanitized sanitized that's it yeah yeah yeah. where it's like you're not really getting a sense of what happened behind the scenes so what's the point i mean we now know with the benefit of dara all the stuff that happened on episode eight yeah uh and you don't get a sense of that watching the extras like and you think well surely like i think there's maybe a clip of ryan johnson saying Mm. maybe i overdid it in the very george lucas phantom menace style (laughs) yeah but but like that's it. It makes you kind of miss the episode one features where it's like now and again you'll just see them being miserable, and now yeah. and again they'll be like, okay, this is a bit much. Like almost, what's the point? In a hmm. weird way, it's better to kind of have the boring, unfiltered version, you know? Yeah, like again, it's just I think it's also just because like I I there's so many really good commentaries out there that it just yeah. really stands out as being really really like drab and dreary like put it this way i have listened to every single commentary track for the lord of the rings <laughs> films because i love i love the extended, i love the extended editions and i've listened to all of them there's one there's so there's one with all the actors and if you don't like if you've never listened to a commentary it is my absolute first ballot pick of what you should listen to for a commentary because <laughs> the actors are great and they tell they tell really fun stories of what happened behind the scenes um there's the there's one with uh the basically the uh the filmmaker team which is um which is peter jackson fran um uh, fran, and philippa boyne yeah yeah fran Walsh and philippa boyne and it's the three of them and if you're interested in how the how they got how they got approval for for the lord of the rings and how they got the whole thing set up and made that's your that's your thing because they did all the they did the screenplay and they did all the rewrites and they did the whole day-to-day thing and that's great then there's one from the production team so you're talking your producer so like barry osborne who also worked on films like the matrix and you know basically everyone involved with that that one that one was least interesting was the least interesting to me but it's still you know, it's still interesting, and they're talking with so much passion about it that it's hard to not get a level of enjoyment out of it. Now, I have no grains or nuggets out of it because I didn't. I just enjoyed listening to them speak rather than taking anything <laughs> away from it. Um, well, I I can give you to tie it back to Star Wars. I can give you a nugget then because I went through not the commentary but the making of on Fellowship, mm. and apparently. Uh, George Lucas funded a bit the fellowship's development of CGI technology because they needed to have CGI storyboarding yeah, yeah, yeah. 
to do the big sequence with the Balrog and the cave troll and all yeah. that, these big wide shots. And he did it in order to have it so that Spielberg could then use that made technology to plot out the Mustafar lightsaber fight. Yeah. So George Lucas is inadvertently involved with Lord of the Rings. Yep. Like, and, which is mad to me. Yeah, but that's one of the things, because like, like ILM was really, um, like, they, like they really helped out as much as they could for, like for, I mean, ILM have had their fingers on every big budget film, big budget special mm. effects film for since the 70s onwards. Like, I mean, there's very few films that have come by where you go, did ILM work on this? No. Like it's very rare. It shows. Know? But it does show, you know, like and the ones that they didn't work on, it's like, oh, I see why. You know. Like, <laughs> you know, like, but that's I mean, because again, like they're you know, I mean, like, you know, they're tied in like not only they tied in with the with Lucasfilm, but they were tied in with Jim Henson, they were tied in with, you know, so many different with so many different like big special effects outfits or you know even just like visual effects stuff it's not hardly surprising that they were that influential yeah um but yeah like i think i don't really know <laughs> we've talked for so long i don't even know where to end now on that well, are we at are we at the minutes end are we we're coming we're getting close i think we've got about another 10 minutes to go. well then i'll cycle um, back to the commentary discussion because one sure. other thing i wanted to bring up was the hobbit obviously is now on dvd yeah. and to their there are documentary segments where they are clearly showing Peter Jackson is wrecked. We yep. didn't have enough time. They were yep. planning things on the fly. Yep. And I'm not saying you want to see the miserable in the behind the scenes, but you do want a sense of what happened, you know? Mm. And I, I, I don't see that in these kind of newer type things. It's almost like a sort of political mm. campaign or something like that. Yeah, well, I mean, like Disney has always been very protective of mm. what happens behind the scenes. Like, and I, I guess, like, I mean, even before, like, I mean, the, even in like the early days of DVD extras, you used to get really supremely sa- uh, sanitized. Um, you used to get supremely sanitized um, making ops being made, where they'd be like 20, 10, 20 minutes long. Yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah. You know, if you got any kind of complaint out of it, like I watched, the, there was a making of for Spawn, which uh, the only negative thing that came out of it was Michael J. White going, yeah, because like this again, if you haven't seen Spawn, the main character in it, it has like burn marks all over his body, so it meant that the actor playing him had to wear basically a latex bodysuit that was head to toe. And he's just like, so you're constantly sweating the moment you're in it. It's very itchy, very uncomfortable. And that's like the only real negative thing said in the entire thing. And, mm. you know, that's for a film that wasn't even very good. So, like, you know, you can yeah, imagine. But, that was, but that's tied into the huge kind of DVD explosion back in mm. the early 2000s, where having a second disc of features was the selling point. Yeah. You know, like I still remember getting the X-Men Oh, they were so proud of their two disc edition of X Men One because they called it X Men One Point Five. Oh man, and they like were so proud of that. Yeah, and similar to your discussion there, there was an entire documentary on like how uncomfortable the leather costumes they were wore, and they had loads of like footage of them just literally trying to step over a wall knee high, and the suits mm. were so inflexible that poor Hugh Jackman would like fall on his face, and like these prolonged takes of just trying to walk. Yeah, like you know, and that's in the finished film, and they kept the costumes in the next two, so they obviously it didn't damage the franchise or anything, you know. Yeah. Oh man, like it's just I mean it's just one of those things, like the, but like I mean even then, like I mean now that those films are so heavily scrutinized for being so ashamed of the of uh, the source material, mm. you know, because well, now like there's now we're we're so used to. Um, to comic book characters looking like comic book characters on screen. Yeah. You know, um, whereas like when, like it just says so, so much about what ha- what's changed in the last 20 years. The what would you prefer a yellow spandex thing? Yeah, it's funny mm. because like you sort of, you look to sort of 80s films representation of nerds where comics are kind of on the outside and like, you know, it's, it's kind of the mainstream now, like the kind of, the people you would consider the jocks in those American movies are fans of Thor 
but I don't know how we got here, you know? Yeah. You know, and like, I mean, that's, I mean, look, that's, that's great. I mean, the only problem is, is that they're still like, yeah, they're fans of Thor, but they're not going to pick mm. up a Thor book. So, you know. No, but um, it's very, it's still, it's still mainstream culture now. Like seeing the Mandalorian on the sides of 46A buses yeah. is bizarre yeah. to me yeah. thinking 10 years ago, even 10 years ago, like. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like that's, that definitely, like, I mean, at least seeing Star Wars stuff on the side of a bus is more you know more expected like de- seeing deadpool on the side of a bus was wild yeah me. you know <laughs> like you know what's next squirrel girl is going to be on the side of a bus you know make you it, never make know that, make that film you cowards <laughs> is all I, say. You know? I know your woman from pitch perfect has been tweeting a lot about wanting to play squirrel girl so yeah, watch this great. anna kendrick watch yeah, the space i suppose <laughs> so before we wrap is there anything you want to say Prince? um no i think you know i think i think i've had a nice uh cathartic conversation about star wars and <laughs> wasn't planning they, to talk about star wars but here we are <laughs> you know what uh, people people never plan to talk about star wars i think there are people who have just realized they're coming out of a conversation that has lasted four years and yeah. they didn't re- intend to start talking about Star Wars, and they're still in that Costa, even though it's been closed. Yeah, and they're just coming out of it now. Yeah, well, I think I think when you make shows as long as we have with Dara, you, you're always going like, <laughs> I never planned to talk about Star Wars, but you just end up talking about Star Wars. The worst <laughs> and, thing is, but yeah, you know, it's... and like, I mean, in fairness to him, he hasn't talked about Star Wars in a very long time. No, he so. hasn't because we've been bullying him about it, and now because yeah. he edits this stuff. Uh, he's gonna yeah. have to listen to us rattle on about Star Wars, and we can't even blame him for it. No, but, but what we can say is, ha ha ha, we made a whole episode about Star Wars. What are you gonna do about it? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and on that note, will we bow out? We're not gonna top that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the show. Good night, everybody. <laughs> See you next week. Bye. <laughs>